0: Welcome to the Field Notes Podcast, where we talk about all things happening with Esri Field Operations. My name is Damaya.
1: And my name is Josh, and we're product writers on the Esri Field Apps team.
0: Hello and welcome to the Field Notes Podcast, everyone. Today we have an extra special episode. We are going to be recapping and running through the 2021 Esri User Conference today.
1: Yes, highlighting some cool stuff going on with field operations, um, specifically. So we're coming at you uh, a week after the users conference ended, and it really felt like kind of a whirlwind of a whole week. And now it's like, whew, it's over. It's wild. Exactly.
0: It's kind of like a sudden like, oh, now now we're done.
1: <laughs> Actually, um, Demaya, this was your first users conference, right?
0: Yes, it was my first users conference as a presenter and attendee. I was able to present on the very first day, uh, for the Monday of the week on a presentation about field maps and introduction to field maps. So that was a really cool experience of being able to kind of start my week out giving information and then for the rest of the week kind of taking in information and attending some really, really awesome um, sessions by both Esri employees, but also all the users out there.
1: Definitely. Yeah, this is my second UC that I attended. Um, The first one last year was also virtual, so Mm -hmm. we both kind of only have that perspective of what a virtual UC is like. (laughs) Um, so hopefully we're back back in person um, sooner than we all think. Um, but I think it still went really well. This was my first year at uh, presenting. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I presented on Wednesday um, on taking maps offline, specifically with field maps. But I agree, it was really nice to be able to kind of live both of those lives, being able to mm-hmm. present, but then also being able to attend a lot of really cool sessions um, as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. And later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about a few of the user sessions that we saw that were really interesting. But first, maybe we can start with the plenary. Um, Josh, what did you see that stood out to you during either both or one plenary session?
1: You know, there was so much cool stuff going on at this year's plenary. I thought, one, it was like produced and just staged really well this year. We got to hear it from so many cool voices um, our partners at National Geographic, we got to hear about so many different cool things happening with VR and AR mapping. Um, field operations specific, there was a really cool story and feature on a ski resort, the yes. Telluride Ski mm-hmm. Resort, where they use field operations and GIS to kind of run their,
0: their resort. resort, essentially, yeah. their
1: entire operation.
0: I think what, one thing that stood out to me about that specific part of the of the plenary was like one i didn't know they made snow like i was i thought like mother nature just came down and put the snow in place but you really got to see like how detailed and organized like that whole operation has to be for it all to run and how gis was kind of integral to that too
1: i 100 agree i had no idea that so it's a snow gun is what makes mm-hmm. the snow and i also, you know, being from the South, like, I have not been to many <laughs> ski resorts in my yeah. time. It's just like, I thought the snow was just there. Anybody who's ever been skiing, like, more than once is probably like, wow, Already knows literally this. have no idea what they're talking <laughs> about. Um, but you know what? We can add that to a list of things. Well,
0: we're we- Southerners. We don't know anything about snow. I'm sorry. Exactly,
1: exactly. And just to kind of talk about some of the specific things they use, too. So with the snow gun specifically, and even the ski lifts, they use field maps um, as a way for people to go out and, or employees to go out and kind of make sure everything's running smoothly and they can use GIS to kind of report any mm-hmm. malfunctions or if anything's going wrong. And then that information is sent to a dashboard. Um, so the people who are in charge of monitoring the operation can make mm-hmm. sure the resources are sent in. They know exactly what's going on. Um, which I mean, to keep something like a ski resort moving, you kind of need that immediate, uh, yes. Transmission of information, and then also too, um, location tracking is a big thing at the ski resort as well, just to monitor where all of the employees are. So, be that um, direct employees of the ski resort, or also people who maybe are educators or trainers Mm. or whatever. And what I thought was really cool was they they use uh, location tracking to track the location of employees on the snowmobiles, Mm. and they were able to also use geofencing. With So they combined um, a product called ArcGIS Velocity um, Mm -hmm. with uh, the location tracking capability, and geofencing was able to create this kind of perimeter around every Mm -hmm. single snowmobile's location. So if those perimeters ever got too close or started to intersect, there would be a warning message that would appear that would say, hey, these snowmobiles are getting pretty close to one another, which I thought was just like super cool.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly cool. It's like another thing that you didn't think that you would need to know about, but you do, you don't want your snowmobiles crashing into each other and then not be able to use them. Like, it's really important that you know where they are and how far apart they are. So I think, yeah, it's incredibly exactly.
1: cool. So it was kind of just neat to see like GIS not even just being used in one way, but you had, you know, being able to monitor where everybody was and making sure that their safety was kind of the number one priority. You were also able to monitor Um, that all the equipment was working well. Because if one thing breaks down, that kind of shuts down so much. And, and, you know, you want to provide a good experience and provide a safe experience to all the people who are um, visiting the ski resort for that day.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that kind of reminds me of what Jack talked about um, in the first um, day one, plenary one, um, about GIS kind of being an interconnected system of multiple parts kind of playing into each other. And that was kind of a theme that really stood out to me that was echoed mainly in the first plenary, but also in both of them, Um, with GIS being or promoting that kind of interconnected system. I guess when you're talking about the ski resort, you're kind of seeing how multiple applications of GIS are kind of needed for just one kind of like small system system like a ski resort, but are also needed for bigger systems like sustainability across the globe.
1: I like that kind of looking at the ski resort as like that microcosm of a system and then you compare that to the globe right and it works in kind of the same way you apply all these concepts to make sure things are functioning in a sustainable and safe way for everyone involved
0: exactly and i think field apps are a great component of that because with field apps and apps in general you're able to get readily accessible data and are able to share information really really fast and efficiently and i think that's needed also for those systems to kind of work together in an efficient way
1: definitely i completely agree you mentioned this, um, so I'm gonna take us away from plenary for just a second. Uh, one thing I loved about UC, and they did this last year virtually as well, is there is a virtual run, walk, or bike event. that yes. Everyone attending UC can participate in, and it, it, it uses ArcGIS Quick Capture, which is an app that we've talked about with Marika mm-hmm. on the last episode, where you take your device out with you on your run or your walk, um, or if you're riding your bike and you record yourself and your location as you are, you know, going out and, and running. For me personally, I went on a few runs this past week and you also are taking pictures along the way. Nice. You can submit that data um, up to this dashboard and you can see the path that every mm. single participant took. So mm. you mentioned, you know, Connectedness, And I think field operations is also a really cool way as demonstrated in this like virtual event to to be able to see what somebody is seeing on the field, even if they're halfway around the world and being able to see like what they're doing. It was also just a really cool way to feel involved and like you were doing something with the other attendees of UC, even mm-hmm. though we weren't all like physically together.
0: Yeah. So you, you participated, right?
1: I did. I did. Um, and just some... Fun facts, I have the dashboard pulled up. Total combined with all the participants, there were 2,730 hours put in and we covered 24,545 kilometers, which is 15,252 miles. Uh, people came from 72 different countries nice.
0: who participated
1: in this, and we made it 61% around the Earth's circumference. So-
0: I like having that statistic in there. It helps me kind of visualize it. That's yeah, really cool. exactly. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the second plenary. There was the out of Eden walk journey that um, Paul Salopek talked about and his journey retracing the, the migration of humans Out of the Horn of Africa around the world and it kind of reminded me of he took a journey he's taking a journey of like 24,000 miles around 74 million footsteps to kind of complete his whole journey it's going to take him 14 to 15 years of his life and I think it kind of shows the power of GIS and specifically like field experiences and helping to tell a story like with the the esri like walk and run you're telling a story of different people coming together for this event showing how showing their different like routes of their walks and their runs and in a way paul's also done the same thing during um for his journey as well
1: i absolutely agree and i think in that sense we can almost think of of data collection as experience collection Mm, and how do you take the experiences that only you can talk to because you're the one in that moment like in the out of eden walk and how do you take that and present it and tell that story in a way that others can access and make sense of and i think you know gis really really is that way and is helping especially in in, in his case
0: yeah yeah i've always seen kind of geography and gis as kind of like a storytelling science or you're both doing analytical modeling and, and data collection but also are making something that's also visual and that can tell a story for other people. So I think all of these events and these stories are also um, demonstrative of that as well.
1: Definitely, I think that's like so important because you can have all the data in the world, but if you can't mm-hmm. tell a story with it, if you can't make sense of it, then what is it actually worth?
0: Exactly, exactly. And speaking of telling other people about what you're doing, um, are, are there any user sessions that you saw that really stood out to you and that you kind of want to share with our, our listeners?
1: So, so many, too many that we don't have enough time to cover. <laughs> so, all of them, but we can
0: make so many episodes about like each yeah, one.
1: We really could. Um, yeah. I definitely have one that stood out to me that I can talk about. And then Demaya, I think you have one that you want to chat about too. So the user session that I was really struck by was equitable distribution of humanitarian resources in a refugee camp using ArcGIS. And this was given by Krista Cook, um, with Solidarity Engineering. And Krista is a field engineer and she presented on this topic. So there, um, was a refugee camp in Matamoros, Mexico. Mm. Um, the refugee camp is no longer there, but it was there, um, last year, um, during obviously, uh, one, a global pandemic, right? Mm. Which, um, you know, negatively affects any community. And then this, this refugee camp also had to deal with um, Hurricane Hannah coming through. Um, and so this hurricane and the pandemic combined really created this public health crisis mm-hmm. within this community. Um, the NGOs involved have this kind of monumental task of figuring out how best to distribute resources, how to make sure that the community um, is staying safe. Um, making sure that they have everything they need to survive in the environment that they're in. And GIS was used um, to be able to understand how to best distribute resources kind of during this really turbulent time. Mm -hmm. So Survey123 was used, um, which is another app that we talked about in the last episode with Marika, um, where uh, asylum seekers who were affected in the camp If their tent was destroyed by the hurricane, if they needed a new tarp, et cetera, they could use their smartphone if they had one. If they didn't, they could go to their country leader and they would help them fill out the survey. And they were able to fill out this form that said, you know, this is what happened to my uh, campsite. Um, Our tent was ruined. We need a new tent. We need a new tarp. Um, You were able to take a picture of the damage. And then with a tap of a button, you were able to send that information up. So because this was in the hands of everybody who needed the resources with their smart device, it didn't require, you know, an NGO person or NGO employees to have to go out and find all this information themselves. The ability to report that information was kind of in the hands of the people who were affected. And once they were able to send all of that information up, then the NGO was able to see in one screen where Mm -hmm. they needed to allocate the resources to. And because of this, because of the solution, they were able to distribute 198 tents, 600 and plus platforms for the tents, um, and then a large number of tarps as well. Um, So I thought this was just a really interesting and important user story to talk about um, because we often think of, I think using GIS, obviously to make sense of the world and to solve problems, but sometimes GIS has to be a response to something and no one could kind of plan for this really unfortunate and unique set of circumstances, um, for this camp, but GIS and this solution with survey one, two, three was able to kind of, if not immediately, like pretty efficiently, um, help the NGO understand what needed to go where and be able to, uh, provide those resources in as quick of a manner as they possibly could.
0: I think having GIS kind of in the hands of people through apps like Survey133, like you said, really allows for I guess for more sustainable and efficient allocation of things that people need. So you're not able to just able to do your job but or do a job, be able to do it well and in a way that actually impacts people in a positive way because they know what they need. So then being able to tell you that is just going to make it better for And that's
1: it. I think especially with especially with field operations or just mobile GIS, being able to put the power of GIS in somebody's hand. And -hmm. it's not somebody else reporting that information for them. It's the person who's affected by it. And they're the only person that's going to know their situation in in the best way possible. So I was really, really impressed by this uh, project. And it was really cool to see. You know, uh, one big thing about the users conference is Demaya and I work on these products, uh, specifically we write for them, we create content for them, but we're not using them for solutions. Mm -hmm. So it's just really rewarding to be able to see the stuff that we work on and love, love to work on actually being used to kind of make this positive impact.
0: Exactly. And also just being able to see the diverse ways which people employ them to help their own workflows. It's always just like people are really creative out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, It's
0: really amazing to see.
1: What about you Demaya? Where is there any, uh, user sessions that stood out to you?
0: Yes, so I found, I watched a fun session which was called um, The Emerging Role of GIS in Animal Welfare. Um, I shouldn't say fun, but I guess fun for me because as a pet owner, I was like, oh my God, animals. Um, So I was really curious about how GIS could be applied to guess animal care and animal welfare. And this was a really interesting presentation Um, It was presented by John Boone at the Great Basin Bird Observatory as well as a number of other presenters. And it was about the application of GIS in animal welfare. And I guess for people out there who don't know what animal welfare is, it is an industry composed of multiple different organizations who focus on providing um, services or care to animals or people who care for animals. One interesting um, project they focused on in this presentation was the DC Cat Count. Again, I have a cat, so I was like, oh yes, I'm very interested in hearing about this. Um, But this project kind of arose out of um, animal welfare organizations and conservation organizations kind of being on different levels when it came to outdoor cat activities because As many people know, outdoor cats are really bad for the environment. (laughs) Um, So they wanted to really get an idea of what cats were doing, outdoor cats specifically in DC. So the project involved cat counting to characterize outdoor cat activity. And they used two Esri apps, um, Survey123 and primarily Collector to do transect counts in the DC area. And um, transect counts kind of involve volunteers walking a predetermined survey route and recording the number of cats that they see. They also created a survey via Survey123 where they asked caretakers of these outdoor cats to kind of monitor what they did throughout different days and different weeks um, and kind of get a really good idea of what was going on with outdoor cat activities. Um, So it's a really interesting application of both Survey123 and Collector. one that I think is really important when you're thinking about ideas of sustainability you want to know what outdoor cats are doing because they do have a huge effect on the environment so for me it was interesting both from like an animal standpoint but also from like a theme standpoint for what you see in terms of sustainability
1: definitely so did the presentation go into like what they did with that data once they found it at all or once they gathered it
0: So the uh, data kind of resulted in a map of the DC area that showed um, spatially where different cats were located and and also their outcomes. And they're also kind of compiling all their tools and knowledge into an Esri hub site that anyone can access. Um, And it's still, they're still working on it, but it will be done soon. So eventually everyone would be able to kind of access and see um, all the data and all the information that they collected. That's awesome.
1: I also feel like Esri hub is everywhere. It really is. Or ArcGIS Hub. Um and I think it's great, right? Because it's it's a way to be transparent and allow people to access this information from, from wherever they are in, in, in their community. Um no, that's so very interesting. I would have no idea. I I would never have guessed that GIS would be used to monitor cat activity. <laughs> I didn't know people were monitoring cat activity exactly. to begin with. So <laughs>
0: There actually aren't a lot of people monitoring them. Um, I remember in the presentation, they mentioned that this could be a really good template for other areas or other states in the country to use to kind of get an idea of what's going on with outdoor cat populations.
1: Very cool. I think that might be about all we wanted to chat about. We will just be counting down the days until you see 2022 now.
0: Thank you for listening to the Field Notes podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Subscribe to Field Notes on your favorite podcast app and join us on the next episode.